if you would, to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Several months ago, as you know, uh, because of all of this COVID stuff and the necessity of trying to divide our congregation into two, we opted to just repeat the morning service uh, with the uh, again in the evening. Tried to try to help help keep the crowd down, but now that the governor has lifted the the um, the requirements and so on and so forth we are back to our normal schedule so we are uh tonight uh is the first night of our normal schedule uh so uh, we are going to be picking up uh, back when we were doing everything via the internet um we were in a series uh called facing your giants uh, and uh we were uh, in uh, kind of near the end of that, um, and uh, so tonight we're going to be picking up with this, and we're going to be finishing this series. Um, maybe just a few more uh, of these giants that we face in our lives. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about facing the giant of fear, facing the giant of fear, and <clears throat> I want to say that uh, fear is a very real thing. Um, I have heard Christians say that Christians should never be fearful of anything. Now, I want to be careful how I say this, but at the same time, I need to, I need to be forceful when I say this. Um, if that's how you think, then your thinking is wrong. Because fear is an emotion that God gave us. It is a God-given emotion. A perfect example of that is, uh, especially for you parents, have you ever experienced one of your children running out into a street chasing a ball? What, what grips your heart? Fear. Why? Because that's a God-given emotion. And, and what do you do? You grab the kid, and what do you want to do? You want to kill him. <laughs> okay? Hey, the car didn't kill you. I will. You, you know what I mean? That's, that, but that, that, that's, that, that is fear. During his years as premier of the Soviet Union, Khrushchev denounced many of the policies and atrocities of Joseph Stalin. Once as he was uh, censored, um, once as he censored Stalin in a public meeting, Khrushchev was interrupted by a shout from a heckler in the audience. The, the heckler said, you were one of Stalin's colleagues. Why didn't you stop him? And Khrushchev stopped and he said, who said that? And as you can imagine, silence just covered the room. Nobody even dared move. 
And after a few moments of that awkward silence, Khrushchev simply replied, now you know why. That's, a, that, that's, that's, that's scary. See, fear is a real emotion. And way too often we as Christians want to write it off as a weakness. And it's not. But I do have a question for you. Can fear be a good thing? Absolutely it can be. I gave the example of the child running out into, uh, out into traffic. Give me another example where fear is a good thing. It happens to most of us every time we drive to, to Reno. <laughs> well, I was specifically thinking of the rumble strips. How many, how many times between here and Reno do you hit the rumble strips? Usually once or twice between out here and there. And, and what happens when you hit that? Yeah, boom. <laughs> she screams and hits you. <laughs> okay? No, what, okay, what, what happened? It, you immediately, it, it, it alerts you that, 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 that instinct of fear that I'm drifting off the road lurches in your heart, does it not? So fear can be a good thing. But fear can be a bad thing. Fear can be a bad thing. And this is where, this is where Christians need to get balance in their lives. Uh, <clears throat> fear can be uh, an a, a insurmountable obstacle in, in our lives if we're not careful. Uh, it, it can be, it, fear can stop us from doing so much. In Isaiah chapter 41, in verse 10, it says, uh, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Uh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, will I help thee. Uh, yea, will I uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. We see, especially what's going on in our world today, we see people in the, in the grips of fear. Uh, I, I was, somebody in this room, I won't tell you who because it's not important, but somebody in this room told me about somebody that they know that basically they've become a prison, a prisoner in their own homes. They're, they're so afraid to go out. They, they've become a prisoner in their own home. Now, granted, and I want to be careful here because I am on tape. Um, um, even if I wasn't on tape, I want to be careful here. Um, yeah, that didn't come out right. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, video, uh, live, there you go. Um, yeah, I just gave away my age, I guess. Um, as believers... We are living in difficult times. And I, I have heard Christians tell me, ah, oh, this is all made up. It doesn't mean anything. And then I've had, I, I have believers that are fearful to even come to church because of, because of what's going on. Who's right? I don't know. But I know what, I know one thing, 
what my Bible tells me is to love every one of them and to respect the decisions that they have made. And I do, to the best of my ability. Do I, do I, do I necessarily agree with either one? It, it, it doesn't matter. But I am commanded to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm going to support them no matter what they just decide to do. We, there's an important lesson, I think, in, in all of this. You know, one of the things that <clears throat> whenever we as, as, as people go through difficult situations like this, it's, it's very easy to look at the negative of everything. And, and we can sit here and complain and, and say, well, you know, uh, this and that and blah, 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 blah. You know what? But praise God, you know what? There have been some really good things come out of COVID. And I don't have time to go through the list. <clears throat> but there are some really good things that have come out of this. God has shown himself strong time after time after time after time. And we need to be focusing on those things and not the negative things. We need to be wise. We need to be wise in our handling of ourselves in public. If, you know, I was thinking about it. If nothing else, if nothing else, it has taught the American public to stay home when you're sick. I mean, I can't tell you how many times over the last 11 years people have come to church sicker than a dog. And I'm like, what are you doing? Go home. We, we do not need to share the flu in our church. So if nothing else, this has taught us, or, or I should say retaught us, that when you're sick, stay home. Now, the bad side of that is somebody wakes up with a sore fingernail, and they're like, oh, I need to stay home. Anyway. <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> we need to we need to approach w with wisdom and respect. But when we fear and and not allow God to work on our hearts and lives, then we are forfeiting the blessings of God in our lives. We, we are not allowing ourselves to live in victory when we live in fear. Tonight I want to look at the resurrection of all places. I want to look at three specific things in the resurrection that will hopefully help us understand how to face the giant of fear in our lives. Let's start reading in verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 24. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, uh, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found stones rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not a body, uh, not the body of the Lord Jesus, and it came to pass, as they were 
much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Is he not here, but is uh, he is not here, but is risen? Remember how he spake unto unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered out of the hand of sinful men, uh, and be crucified, and the third day raised again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulchre to, and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your, your word that changes lives. And Lord, as we look at this idea of fear in our lives, that fear can come, as you know, in many shapes and sizes and forms. But it's a real thing in our lives that we, we all battle. And Lord, I just ask that you would guide and direct as we look at this subject tonight, that you would talk to us, uh, speak to our hearts, that you would help us, dear God, to be more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The first point I want to talk about this, this evening is unplanned circumstances. Unplanned circumstances. Let's look at verses 1 and 2 of the passage that we just read. Now, upon the first day of the week... Very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulchre, uh, bringing spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. Now, let, let, let me stop here in verse 1, and, and let, let's talk about this for a second. What had the women done? What had they done? Okay, they prepared spices. Why? No. No. Right, exactly. But but what, what was the what was the custom? Okay. After after three days, what happens? The body starts to decay and smell. So what was what did they prepare? Spices. What were the spices for? To hide the smell. Okay? They were preparing to do what they always did for everybody who died. It was the custom of the day. Okay? Now now think about this for a second. You have a cave and a rock rolled in front of it. What's going to happen to the to the to the smell of that decaying body? It's, it's going to seep out, okay? Because this is not a tight fit. So the custom of the day, the ordinary thing to do was on the third day, they would always prepare spices, and for whatever reason, the women would go to the grave and anoint the body of whoever died with spices. That was the normal Standard operating procedure. Normal standard. That didn't make sense. That was the standard operating procedure. That was the normal thing to do. But what happened? Verse 2. 
And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. An unplanned circumstance. See, they were they had gotten up, they had probably started the preparation of the spices probably the day before, maybe even two days before. It was a process that they had gone through probably hundreds of times with every dead person that had ever died in their families and so on and so forth. It was a process that they had done many, many, many times. So they gather the spices. The women on the third day, the morning of the third day, they go to the graveside. They're going to they're gonna roll the stone back. They're going to go in. They're going to anoint the body, put the stone back so that the stench of the decaying body doesn't make everybody sick that walks by. Okay, just saying. That's what's, that's what's taking place. Well, I, I, okay. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but that's what they were going to do. I don't, I, I, I can't answer the question how they were going to do it. I, I'm assuming the way I've always understood it is the way I, I just, I just assumed that they would get the soldiers to open it up, go in, anoint the body, they could close it back up and be done with that that's how i've always kind of assumed it would happen but i don't know anyway <clears throat> all i'm saying is the process was a normal process but the unplanned circumstances they get there the 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 the, the tomb is open and the body is gone question how many times have you said in your life wow i wasn't expecting that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, what is generally? I know what my reaction usually is, but what is generally? What is your at reaction when you are hit with an unplanned circumstance? Not happy about it. Yeah. Usually, we're not too happy about it. Any anybody else? Oftentimes, oftentimes it's a great it's a great migraine trigger for me. Okay, I just stress. Okay, yeah, very inconvenient. What was the reaction of the women? Let, let's go back and read it, verse three. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus, and it came to pass as they were perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining uh, garments, and they were afraid. Fear. Fear had gripped their hearts. So really, if you think about it, there are two unplanned circumstances in this story. What are they? Obviously, the Lord not being there is one of them. What's the other one? Exactly. Well, the stone, yeah, the stone, the stones rolled away. So, that, so yeah, so you have you have a multiple series of unplanned circumstances here that result in fear. Fear is gripping the hearts of these women. 
<clears throat> let's, let's continue reading. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye see the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day raised again. And they remembered his words. Verse 9, And they returned from the sepulcher and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. So, question. What was the very thing that relieved the women? The Word of God. It was the Word of God that brought relief from the fear. One of the things that we need to learn is when fear grips our hearts, we need to turn to this book. When we come face to face with unplanned circumstances, turn to the Word of God. When things don't go according to our plan. Now, how many of you like to plan every part of your life. Okay, Mrs. Lynn, <laughs> Tony, okay, we all, most of us to some degree or another like to live our lives and we all have plans for our lives. And when our plans don't work, we get what? We get upset. And oftentimes it can become a source of fear in our lives because now all of a sudden I'm no longer in control. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're all that way, Tony. Every one of us. But whose plan are we supposed to be living by? God's plan. What about when we cannot see the solution to the problem? We have to trust God. We have to trust His Word. We have to trust. I, I can't tell you how many times I've stood and I've and I've said, Lord, I I I, I don't know what to do. I can't I can't see the solution. I don't know what it is. And God's answer is usually, trust me. We need to return to the Word. Psalm chapter 119, 116, or excuse me, 119, verse 16. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Psalm 119, 24. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselor. Romans chapter 7 and verse 22, I, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. See, fear, fear was not unique to the, to the women in this story either. Okay, please understand that. Now, 
what we just read, we just read about the women, but the disciples also experienced fear. During World War II, a military governor met with General uh, Patton in Sicily. When he praised Patton highly for his courage and bravery, the general uh, replied, Sir, I am not brave. Excuse me, I am not a brave man. The truth is, I am an utter coward. I have never been within uh, the sound of gunshot or in the sight of a battle in my whole life that I wasn't scared, that I, was, that I had sweat in the palms of my hands. Years later, when Patton's autobiography was published, <clears throat> it contained uh, a very significant statement from the general. And this was a statement. I learned very early in my life never to take counsel of my fears. I, I love that statement. See, even Patton understood and experienced fear in his life, but he did not allow fear to control him. He controlled his fears. And the way we do that as Christians is through the Word of God. So, number two, unmet expectations. Let's talk about the unmet expectations here. Now, this is important that we get this because it is difficult for us to wrap our heads around what the first century church and the Jews were dealing with. You, you, you have to understand that oftentimes we as 21st century Christians want to think that the Bible was written for us in our day and time. And it's not so. In fact, um, in, in 2 Timothy here, uh, where it says to pray for your leaders. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1, uh, 1 through 5 says, I, I exhort you there, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks, be made for all men, for kings, and for the, all that are in authority. Who were the ones that were in authority? There was the butchers, the Roman government. Paul was literally exhorting Timothy to pray for the very government officials that were oppressing the the, the nation of Israel. And we as as free Christians in our country today barely give give a a, a few moments a day to pray for our, our, our elected officials. But we have time to complain about them. Don't complain about them unless you're praying for them. They were under heavy political oppression. They, it was unbelievable and incredible tax burdens. The, 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 many of them were literally starving to death because of the tax burdens that the Roman government had put on them. They did not experience what we call freedom at all. They, they could be enslaved at a, at, a, at a blink of an eye. They were desperately wanting freedom from Rome. So, his crucifixion, his disciples 
still didn't understand everything that was going on. What, those of you that know the story, where later, where would Jesus find his disciples? Hiding in the upper room, fearful for their lives. Fearful for their lives. Why? Because they were still, they were still wanting an earthly king, not a spiritual king. They, they still didn't quite get it. They had spent three years with him, but they still didn't quite understand it. Unmet expectations. Someone once said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of, of its strength. We fret and we worry about things. We, we allow sadness to overwhelm us and, and it takes control of our lives. It dominates our thinking and fear will eventually set in. Question, which of the disciples actually denied Christ? Okay, Peter, anybody else want to disagree with that? It was a trick question, by the way. <laughs> you just took the bait. <laughs> okay, anybody want to try? They all did, except John. How many of them were at the crucifixion? John. See, they all denied Christ. The only, the only problem with Peter was we have a record of it. <laughs> but in reality, they all, they all were fearful. John the, 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 was the only one that, that dare show his face at the crucifixion. Luke chapter 22, verse 61 and 62, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said unto him, Behold, uh, excuse me, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept, better, wept, wept bitterly. Peter was just the one that was caught. But in reality, every one of them denied Christ, except John. I love Mark's account of things. Mark, I, I, I don't know, Mark is just an interesting guy. In Mark chapter 16, verses 6 and 7, the, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Be not affrighted. Uh, ye, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they lay him. But go <clears throat> your way and tell the disciples and Peter. You get that? And Peter. Why, why do you think Mark added that, those two words, and Peter? Because Peter was feeling pretty bad. Peter was feeling pretty bad. And they wanted to make sure the, the, the angels here wanted to make sure that Peter understood that Jesus cared about him. Even though Peter had failed, 
he was still important to God. I, I like that. Because the truth is, I've fa- I have failed many times, and so have you. After the, all the testimonies of the sightings of Jesus and, and, and all of that, there was still one more holdout. And who was that? Thomas. We call it, what, what do we call him? Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. And John chapter 20 and verse 24, but Thomas, one of the twelve, uh, called Didymus, uh, was not uh, with them when Jesus came. Uh, the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see uh, in his hands the prints of the nails, and put my fingers into the prints of the nails, and uh, thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Fear can lead us to reject people who are trying to help us. Get this. Fear can lead us to reject people who are trying to help us. My wife and I, <clears throat> thanks to social media, were uh, became aware of somebody who posted something that was I believe inappropriate. It wasn't. It wasn't nasty or you know curse words or anything. But the the post was just inappropriate. And my my wife made the comment, "Hurting people hurt people." And that's what fear does to us. Have you ever tried to help a hurting dog? Uh, they'll come after you. And, and, and humans are the same way oftentimes. And Christians are no different. In fact, sometimes Christians can be even worse. Just saying. Fear can also cause us to reject truth. There's an important lesson in the story of Thomas that I absolutely love. And that is, how did Jesus handle life with Thomas? Did, did he walk into the room when he eventually saw Thomas and, and walk over to him and say, you idiot. But why didn't you believe the others? That's how we do it, isn't it? I, I, I love the, the way Jesus loves me. Because in many, many often, way too often, I'm a Thomas too. In John chapter 20, verse 26 to 29. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be with you. I love that. Peace be with thee. Then saith he to Thomas, I, I, I love this. He walks, he, 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 he goes into the room, doors being shut. He says, peace be with you. And then he goes straight to Thomas. And he grabs him around the neck. No, he doesn't. And he said, and he said, say it to Thomas, reach, reach hither thy finger and behold my hand and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And it be uh, f- and and be not faithless, but believe. 
And Thomas answered and said unto him, Lord and my God. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. See, Jesus simply wanted Peter to give Peter an opportunity. Or, excuse me. Jesus simply wanted to give Thomas an opportunity to overcome his fear. I love that. And way too often, I've, I have heard sermons, countless sermons on preachers have got up here and they've just railed on Thomas. Oh, he was a weakling and blah, 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 and just say horrible things. The reality is we would have probably been worse. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Number three, and then we'll be done. An, uh, the unknown future. The future can cause us to fret, can it not? How many of you uh, <laughs> know what the world's going to look like in a year from now? A, 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 year, a year ago, would you have ever guessed what the world will look like today? Absolutely not. But it's that unknown. The unknown future can, can cause us to, to question, can it not? And can it not bring fear? I know people who are legitimately fearful of the future. They're just scared to death. Jesus prophesied the future but his disciples didn't understand. They, they, they were, it was starting to make sense to them, but they still, they, were, they just still hadn't, hadn't grasped, grasped it yet. He prophesied his death and resurrection in Matthew 26, 31 and 32. Uh, then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall uh, be uh, suffered because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. He prophesied his second coming in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. The reality is, we do not know what the whole future holds, but we know who holds the future. We know who holds the future. And in that, we can find peace. But do we live with doubt and fear of the future? Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not. Be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that, uh, that doth go with thee and will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. See, the key to overcoming fear is a total and complete trust in God, knowing that he holds the future. Again, I I don't know where we're going to be in a year from now. I I have no idea who our next president is going to be. You know, I'm I'm going to say something here, and and you you may think I'm crazy, and you may think I'm a heretic. I I don't I really don't care. I don't care who the president's going to be. I really don't. God's in charge of that. Now, do I have a preference who I would like? Absolutely, I do. But you know what? I don't care. Mickey Mouse could be president, and my God is still in control. He is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I don't know what what the future holds for me, but I know who holds the future. When we trust in God, then fear has a right place in our lives. Fear is a real emotion that God has put into our lives. And we need to learn how to, through God's power, control fear in our lives instead of letting fear control us. Job said it when he was experiencing some of the most difficult, darkest circumstances recorded in Scripture. Job said in Job 13, verse 5, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him, but I will remain or maintain mine own ways before him. Though he slay me, yet will, he, will I trust him. That needs to be the cry of all of our hearts. Facing the giant of fear, the unplanned circumstances, which there are many, unmet expectations, which there are many, and then the unknown future, which we all, we all have to deal with. If we are going to have victory in our lives, it is only going to be because we fall in love with this book and love the God who wrote it. Let's pray.